I read this last week. I was reminded of this, that in Copenhagen, Denmark, there's a famous statue there. And the sculpture's name is Thorvaldsen. When Thorvaldsen did this famous statue of Jesus, he initially made it out of clay. And then his plan was to go ahead and, and make it out of marble. But when he sculpted it, he had a certain view of Jesus in mind. He wanted to make Jesus with a regal bearing, uh, outstretched arms in a very commanding way. But after he made that particular uh, clay image of Jesus, he put it in a shed that evening to cure and the sea mist, the sea mist came in. And the next morning, this regal bearing of Jesus with his arms outstretched was altered and it was changed. And instead of this very stern, austere face and the arms held out almost like fists, the face was one of compassion and tenderness. The eyes had drooped just a little bit. And the hands, instead of out like you know, almost in fists, were hands that were welcoming, that were extended in an invitation. And the sculptor said, that's how I now want to portray Jesus. He was going to put at the base of this famous statue the words, Obey my commands. But instead, he put at the base of the statue, Come unto me. Come unto me. I have a very, very simple message that I'm going to share this morning with you. In the rigmarole of life when you get those calls and I get those calls when something unexpected happens perhaps the doctor somebody told me a while back a number of years ago that they were going in for a normal checkup and they got a call back and it was one of those phone calls you don't want to hear and some of you have been the recipient of those kind of phone calls before or when you are trying to make the mortgage payment and you get three or four months behind. Or you're having conflict with your boss at the job place. Or you get that, that relationship problem with your next door neighbor and it just seems to be a constant source of irritation. What do you do? What do you do when you face all of these various hardships of life, everyday life, and the extraordinary things? There is, there is some definitions of this word. Webster defines anxiety as a painful, apprehensive uneasiness of mind, usually over something impending, like an anticipated illness, financial duress, relationship problems, 
the word ancients, ancients in the New Testament is defined as this. It means to to be divided, to be distracted. It also can mean to worry, choking or strangulation. Anybody that's ever had an anxiety attack knows that that that's the feeling that you get. It's like the whole uh, world is on your sh- on your chest, and as though there's something around your neck choking uh, the very life out of you. Anxiousness. We're talking about white knuckled fear. We're talking about extreme worry. And in the midst of all this, there's a word for us. Jesus, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is what Jesus said to his first hearers, and it's applicable to people today as well. And this is what Jesus says. He says, come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest. Rest for your souls. And did you notice in that particular passage of Scripture, the word rest is mentioned twice, and it's used in two different senses when you look at the original language. It is the rest, it is the rest for the person who does not have the peace of God in their life, and it is the rest for the Christian person who for one reason or another is distracted, has anxious thoughts, and is uptight, and is filled full of worry, and perhaps is even oppressed by old snackletooth. And we're going to be talking about that in just a moment. But there are several truths here that we see in this particular passage of Scripture, and I'd invite you to pull out your message notes and follow along uh, as usual. The first thing I want you to notice here is that Jesus calls us, he calls us to a rest. Uh, He calls to people that are restless. And he calls to people who are filled full of burdens. How many of you would be honest enough to admit that you have burdens, you have difficulties, you have trials, maybe not even the things I mentioned this morning. Perhaps it's related to your kids, our grandkids. I think if we this morning were to have you raise your hands, and you don't have to, we would all agree that we have burdens. And that at times, even as a Christian person, at times we feel uh, a restlessness. And this is what Jesus says. He says, come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, burdened. Now, Jesus says, come. He doesn't say, Go away from me. He doesn't say scat. He doesn't say get out of here. He is calling to you. He's calling to me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is often calling to those the same kind of people that were his first hearers. And you know what kind of people they were? They were uh, religious people. They were people who often tried to substitute rules and regulations for the for the grace. The unmerited favor for the love that God provides. And Jesus did not describe 
the kind of burdens that we uh, were to bring to him. He never said, don't bring uh, the burden of child-rearing. Don't bring the burden of trying to make ends meet. Don't bring any of those problems from work. He never said, don't bring any of those church problems. He never described. Uh, he said, come unto me, everyone, with all of these burdens, with all of these concerns, with all of these problems, those of you who are weary and heavy laden. And I'm so glad that he did not define that by that way. In First Peter we read, cast all of your cares, cast all of your burdens, not just the little ones, not the ones that are just the faith kind of, the, the ones that we can kind of think, well, I, I, that, I could see that happening. It says all of your cares, all of your burdens, the, the big ones as well. The second key truth here is that he says, I'll give you peace and rest when you do that. I'll give you peace and I'll give you rest when you do that. He said, come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you, and you shall find rest for your souls. Rest. Bring your burdens. Bring your concerns. Bring your cares. All the things that weigh you down, that make you so weary. And what does Jesus say he'll do for us? And he says, again, I'll give you rest. And when you translate, it's, it, again, it's translated a number of different ways. But one way in which you can read that is, I will give you unearned grace, a rest from the very hardship and difficulties that you are going through at this time, not tomorrow, not next week, not the next hour, but at this particular moment, I can give you rest in the middle of the difficulty. This is a, a word. Now, we're not talking about the absence of problems. We're not talking about the absence of troubles. We're not talking about the absence of difficulties. This rest that Jesus promises is in the middle of these things. It's in the midst of these things. Often people say, the only way that I could experience that kind of rest and the only way that I can experience that kind of peace is, is to be totally removed from that particular situation. No, no, no. You're not removed from the situation. Typically, it's in the middle of those things. Remember the song that was sung a number of years ago, something about having peace in the eye of the storm. The storm is going all around us, but you can have peace in the midst of all of that is happening. Do you have that kind of peace? Despite what's going on. Do you have that? Do you have that kind of rest? This unmerited grace. Despite what's happening in your life and in your world. Now this, again, is not being removed like some hermit living some sort of South Pacific uh, isolated experience where there are no taxes, no unemployment, no beggars, no television, no crime, no people, and no diseases, and no problems whatsoever. It's not that kind of rest and peace that we're talking about. 
this morning. And so, number three, he says, I'll give you unearned grace, unearned favor. And number four, Jesus says, help me carry the load. Help me carry the burden. There's a wonderful word picture here used in this particular passage of Scripture. He says, uh, come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and notice, take, excuse me, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Now this is a historical word picture that Jesus uses. And every single person, the first hearer, would understand this. Perhaps we don't understand it because we're not an agricultural society today and that is unfamiliar to us. But here's the idea and here's the concept. It's very, very picturesque. You have a younger, weaker, inexperienced oxen. And then the way to train them, the way to help them, is to come alongside with a stronger, more mature ox. And you yoke them together. And the older one helps train, helps come alongside, helps pull the load, and carries that, uh, that goes straight forward. The farmer's behind. He's plowing up the soil. He's, and, the, and, the, and the two oxen are going straight ahead. And they're pulling the plow. And the one is carrying more of the load than the other one because the one is stronger than the other one. And then the farmer comes along and plants the seed after the uh, furrow was, is plowed. And that's the idea and that's the concept. How many of you, when your children were younger, I, I, had, I have two boys, um, and both of my boys, um, when they were little, little, little kids, would want to help me. I don't know what happened when they became teenagers. But they wanted to help me when they were little boys. And so I remember distinctly a number of times we would have a potluck after church. And I'd be moving a table, and they would say, Daddy, let me help you. And they would grab one end of the table. They were so little that I didn't let them carry the whole load. And what I did is, instead of getting on the other end of the table, I went toward the middle of the table. Right? And therefore, I was helping them carry the load. And this is the idea and this is the concept. Is that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, through his spirit, says, the paraclete, translated the helper, translated the one that comes alongside, translated the one who helps carry the burdens, translated the one who pulls us, who pushes us, who sometimes carries us, is there to help us in the most difficult trials and problems of life. When you cannot take another step forward, when you are anxiety-ridden, Jesus says to you, and he says to me, come unto me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you. You're yoked, not, you're not alone, you're with Jesus. And Jesus promises to come alongside. If you come to him, you don't go to uh, another source, you don't go to yourself, you go, you go to the Lord, you go to Jesus. 
Well, he's saying that if we submit to him, come to him, submit to his leadership, lordship, bring our worries and bring our problems to him, he'll stand right beside us. He'll help shoulder the load yoked with Jesus. And he invites us to come today. Now, I mentioned earlier to you that there are a couple of different ways that that word rest uh, can be defined or can be translated. We see that word rest twice in this particular section of Scripture. Come to me, all those who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then there's that rest for the soul. The first word, the first way in which you can interpret this a verb meaning is to pause, to refresh oneself as when travelers pause to rest at perhaps an ancient wayside. And it can be used this way. It is the rest, you might say, of the forgiven heart, of the person that we would call a God seeker. A God seeker is a person who uh, would look in all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different means to fill this God-shaped vacuum. Some of us, uh, most of us, understand that term. Some of us may not. But a person that would fill this empty, God-shaped vacuum with all of these things that we, we experience as young adults and middle-aged people, perhaps even, drugs or alcohol or illicit relationships or whatever it may be, and it is this restlessness. And the only way that this rest, this can be received in the person that does not know God, does not have a relationship with God, is to confess, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of God in my life. I want to receive God's help. Come to the place where they understand that Jesus is the answer for their life. And that's the rest. One way in which they're talking about here in this particular passage of Scripture. The rest that is given a restless heart. Um, that doesn't have the peace of God through faith in Jesus Christ in their life. The other associated definition with these two words, rest, is this. It is for the Christian person. It is for the Christian person. It is for you. It is for me. Who finds himself one way or another oppressed by the enemy of our souls. Depressed because of losses and the circumstances of life. Anxiety-ridden because of the worries that are choking our life out. Our spiritual life. Your spiritual life, my spiritual life, can be choked by the worries and choked by the anxieties and choked by... Uh, this oppressiveness uh, that can come against us in the spiritual realm. We know that to be true. That's what the Bible says. And so, when Jesus says that you can find rest, or rest for your soul, in this sense, he's talking about, listen, don't miss this, is defined, it is defined as a full habitation, a full Habitation of the heart. A full habitation of the heart. We're talking about allowing Christ to be on the throne of our lives and heart. 
You say, Pastor Ron, he, he was on the throne, and I want him to be on the throne. But somehow, through these experiences, through these difficulties, somehow he's no longer on the throne of my heart. This full habitation I've experienced, but some reason it's no longer... I'm, I'm, Jesus must have abided in me, but I'm having a difficult time abiding and trusting in him. I don't know how else to articulate this, but to say... It means a full habitation of the heart. And um, what needs to be done? What's the solution? What's the solution for the unforgiven heart? To put your faith, to put your trust in Christ, to repent of your sins, to say, Jesus, I need you to be in my life. I want you to be in my life. What's the solution for the Christian person that is so full of anxious thoughts and feeling oppressed and distracted? I want to go back with you to another section of Scripture. And this is found in Luke. It's found in Luke. And this passage of Scripture is Luke chapter 10, verses 39 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 39 through 42. Luke chapter 9. Uh, I can't read my own handwriting. Luke chapter 10. 10, 39 through 42. Luke chapter 10, 39 through 42. Let me just uh, go over this particular section of Scripture with you very quickly. There are three times, three times in the Gospels that we read about this family. Two sisters and a brother. Mary, Martha, and Luke. Excuse me, Mary, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And in this particular account, uh, Jesus is in the house. He's in the house. The Lord. The Lord is in the house. Okay? The Lord is in the house. And uh, Mary is in the living room of the house with Jesus. But Martha is where? Martha's in the kitchen. Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. If you have that gift of service, and if you have that um, that thing about you of hospitality, you're often in the kitchen. And do you ever get uptight when you're in the kitchen and you're working and you feel like you're the only one doing the work? Has that ever happened to you? I'm not in the kitchen that much. So it doesn't happen to me that much, but I can identify with that. And so here's Martha. She's in the kitchen. She's working, and you can just imagine her. She's got this, uh, she's got this this dough of bread, and she's hitting that dough of bread. And she's going like this, and she's going like this, and she probably wants to get on top of it and stomp it in a few times. And she's got flour all over her face, and she's got oil, and she's got and she's got you know everything's going on around here. She's doing all this preparation, and she's thinking to herself, 
Where's my sister, Martha? Uh, where's my sister, Mary at? Where's my sister, Mary? Oh, I don't know about... Uh, I'm doing all the work down here. I'm the only one doing all the work. I'm the only one doing whatever it may be. And so, in that particular passage of Scripture, the Bible says that uh, Martha went to Jesus. This is all my paraphrase. Hot and bothered. You ever get hot and bothered? Ever get uptight? Ever get anxious? And so she went to Jesus. Martha went to Jesus and complained about her sister. And she said, two words stand out. Three words. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care? Don't you care? Now, the way that Jesus answers Martha, he basically says, Your sister is with me doing. You guys don't miss this. Don't miss it. Your sister is with me doing the most important thing. She's doing the most important thing. This rest that Jesus is talking about it does not depend upon all this other stuff. The foundation of it is found at the feet of Jesus in worship, in adoration, in obedience, in putting Him first. I was listening to focus on the family this morning and someone liking it to ice cream and then the whipping cream is the joy and the happiness. But the ice cream is the worship and the adoration and the eternal perspective that we get when we do that. Individually and, and, and corporately. This is what Jesus is talking about. Come unto me, all those who are wearing heavenly, and take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for you shall find rest for your souls. And this is the rest of habitation. It's the rest of the forgiven heart. It's the rest that he promises to us to help us with the anxiousness and the troubles and the worries. He promises to help us. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?